on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Brent Wallace is going to join us in just a moment here to talk a little Ottawa Senators. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. There you go. We got to work on that. But you know what? We're, we're on a vacation in a day. We can work on it over the break. Maybe a little bit more cadence I think in you there. just say Kintech after. Sore feet. Okay, we'll try it again. I'm answering a question with a question I know I shouldn't be. I'm like, is it Kintech? I know the answer. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech? No, that's not right. No, nope, that's nope. not it. No. Do it one more we'll time. Gonna... Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed nice. it. Let's go to the phone line, shall we? Stop this charade. Uh, joining us now from the Coming In Hot podcast, uh, our second guest in as many weeks from said podcast, Brent Wallace joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Brent. How are you? Uh, boys, what's that place again? My feet are killing me. Uh, uh, Kintech. 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 Ah, yeah. Kintech. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Brent? <laughs> I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, we're good. Busy day in the nation's capital yesterday. Were you surprised by the timing of DJ Smith's dismissal in Ottawa? Uh, it's a good question because yes and no. So uh, I really think the Steve Steos group has director, of, uh, sorry, as president of hockey operations wanted to keep DJ for pretty much the rest of the year, unless there was some major debacle. I think he was going to stay. They just didn't want all the upheaval of bringing in obviously new owner and president and, and CEO and Alfie and then Jacques Martin and an analyst guy and an assistant coach. There was just so much change already. And of course, Pierre Dorian being fired. So I, I thought they would have, it would take something to get him fired. And this four game losing streak, the way that they're playing, just the way they look, the body language, just said, ah, we, we got to do something. And that's what it came down to. So why are they allowing so many goals? Where have you been for four years? No. Uh, they, <laughs> hey, they we've got a Rick Tockett now. It helps. You, you, need, you need structure. <laughs> you need habits. You need accountability. Yeah. Honestly, I was getting deja vu listening to some of the press conference and reading some of the quotes coming out of Ottawa. It, and that's exactly what it is. There's no... like. From the outside looking in, and, and so sometimes we get it wrong, but it didn't look like there was accountability. Guys were cheating defensively. I, as you said, I, Jason York and Bobby Ryan on my podcast, and both of them, one being a forward and one being a D, said these guys don't know what they're doing in their own end. They just don't know how to play. They're cheating. They're trying to score goals. They're very good at scoring goals. They're 10th in the National Hockey League. They're really bad at trying to stop them, and that's what's happened. So Jacques Martin comes in, who's a defensive-minded coach, who's took a – uh, just a team that was on the outside looking in when he, back in 1996. Uh, they missed the playoffs that first year when he took over halfway through the year. And then the next eight years, they made the playoffs. And they were a juggernaut, and people would say they should have won the Stanley Cup probably once or twice. But he knows how to make this team, or he knows how to get players to play D, and that's the big challenge now. So the Sens are dead last in the Eastern Conference, but they also have a ton of games in hand on pretty much everybody. Could this team realistically get its way back into playoff contention? 
Well, see, it's funny you say that. I looked up, again, I keep looking for these, when are they going to make these games in hand up? And right now, if I'm not mistaken, Washington is the second wild card spot, and Ottawa is only two games behind them, and they're 12 points back. Yeah. So they are starting to make these games up. And that's the issue. People now are starting to go, like, oh, yeah, look, their games are actually not as bad. And so you've got to now pass all these teams who just down the stretch for the next uh, 50-some games, I can't remember the number, 56, they have to just have one more point than Ottawa. And Ottawa's out of the playoffs. I, I think the hole is too big at 12 points and a number of teams to try and jump. Uh, if they do end up missing, and it looks more and more likely that they will, is there going to be a lot of reflective looks back that they waited too long to make the move to Jacques Martin? Well, they didn't want to make the move. Yeah, so, no, you could tell. Like, I, I, yes, sure. And so, well, in story, you have to go back actually um, to the summer when Michael Landlauer wanted this team. At the beginning of July, at the end of July, he really pushed to try and close the sale because he wanted to come in and make moves before the start of the year. Well, he didn't get the team until September. And so that delayed everything. And that basically cost them this full year because now trying to find a coach and a GM midseason, not always the best timing, right? So you got to wait. And I think that's why they would have waited this out if he had just, if it just hovered around 500 and guys were starting to look a little better. But this team was regressing rapidly. We're speaking to Brent Wallace from the Coming In Hot podcast in Ottawa here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, how long is Jacques Martin for this job, Brent? Well, that's a good question. I don't think he wants it. I know he wanted back into hockey uh, in the summer. He talked about, you know, like he was an advisor with Kingston and then he became an advisor with Ottawa. But I know he wants to be back in. I feel like he's a lifer. But I don't know that he wants the day-to-day of being a head coach. I could be wrong. Um and he's 71. That doesn't make him uh, ridiculously old. There's lots of coaches who, who can still be very successful. And so if he wanted to do it for two or three years, he could. I, it, I guess it'll depend on the success rate. Um, but I think they still want to go a different route. And I don't know that Jacques wants to be the head coach necessarily. It, you know what? It's an interesting question. I want to see it play out because I would like to see what if they're really successful down the stretch and they just missed the playoffs. Is that enough to go, we'd like to offer you the deal, or is their mind already made up on bringing in someone else next year? Yeah, we saw that with Bruce Boudreau once. It didn't end how you thought it would. <laughs> it, was very, <laughs> it was very interesting in Vancouver. Brent, here's a question for you. If there was one area of the roster that you could fix, like maybe better yeah. centers, better defensemen, better goalies, what would you pick? I, I think... It's got to be the blue line. Uh, Ottawa, like I know they're up there in hits per game, whatever. They're a soft team to play against, especially defensively. They just can't defend. And I would like to see them have a bigger blue line, a more physical presence, something that's going to put a little bit of fear into you if you're going to cross the blue line. Right now, they just don't have any of that. They've got some really good puck-moving defensemen, Jake Sanderson, Thomas Shabbat, and Jacob Chikrin, but none of them are going to – scare you whatsoever of coming over the blue line. I think that's a huge part where they need to fix. Their fifth and sixth D right now are uh, Eric Brandstrom and Jacob Bernard Docker or Eric Brandstrom and Travis Hamannick. And that's just not going to help you. You need a strong third pair as far as I'm concerned. And, and that's just not it. 
It's funny how uh, size is totally back in for the back end. Um, you yeah. And in, in, in a lot of it is because of the playoffs, not so much the regular season, but... You know, the new model, I suppose, is you can have one undersized puck mover, but the rest of the guys got to be big guys. You know, um, the Canucks are doing that in Vancouver. You know, the ad guys like Carson Soucy in free agency and they bring in Nikita mm-hmm. Zadorov in a trade like they're trying to make it. So basically you can have maybe two undersized guys on the blue line, but no more than that. And they have to be physical. They have to be guys that can break up the cycle. Yes. I just think it's been a huge miss for Ottawa. And I really think like Pierre Dorian did a disservice because I feel like the players he's added to this roster are all of the same kind. Like Vladimir Tarasenko is not going to scare you. I understand he's paid to score goals, but Dominic Kudelik, Alex Dabrika, another guy who's not going to elbow you out in the corner, any of that stuff. He's just tried to bring in guys that could score goals and, be flashy. They they need some structure. They have zero structure, and they need guys who are willing to pay the price like a Brady Kachuk. They just don't have it. So where do they go from here? From I know they've they've made the coaching well, you can only change. Go up. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just like like what is the the fans' patience like? They can't. They're the, well, they obviously can't sell another rebuild. But it sounds like to me, you think that they need to make some pretty significant roster changes as well. So I do think they need a major shakeup. And, and when you say rebuild, it brings back a little PTSD for Sens fans. And I totally understand because Pierre Dorian for three years said the, the rebuild is over. We're now moving into the next phase. Well, they've actually gone backwards. So I don't think it's over. And I think they've got to change the makeup of that franchise in order to become a more physical group and to become harder to play against. They have some great talent. Like no one's going to argue Tim Stutzel and Josh Norris. Shane Pinto down the middle and Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson. Like, they've got lots of good pieces. I don't think that they're the right pieces in place. And so they've got some big contracts with some players, and I wouldn't be shocked if they start to move one. And you guys know, listen, when a new GM comes in and a new regime, there's change because they don't have any loyalty to any of these players. And so moving somebody that we think is untouchable, I think there are three players who are untouchable, Brady Kachuk, Tim Stifflin, and Jake Sanderson. Outside of that, I think anybody can be moved, and I think they need to do that. I think it's too comfortable. Uh, I did want to ask you one more big-picture question before you go, and it's about, about Michael Anlauer since taking over the team. And we, We've we joked, like, there must have been at a certain point, he's like, what have I got myself into here? What did I buy exactly? <laughs> because, like, right after buying the team, the Pinto things happen, the uh, Dadanoff trade penalty happens. And then they have to go about systematically uh, moving out all these pieces from the previous regime. I guess my question is, was this rocky time here an inevitability given what they were inheriting from the Melnick estate? Or is it just been, this is what the senators are? (laughs) We love headlines in Ottawa. I can assure you of that. Um, It's funny. Like I, I don't believe he expected nearly a third of this. Uh, and again, I think it comes down to timing where he couldn't make the changes in the off season. And so had to be patient at the beginning of the year to see how it would play out. But he knew that there was something with the Dadnoff trade. He knew that there was something. He had no idea it was going. He, I think he was misled and how bad it was going to be. Uh, the Shane Pinto thing came up really quick. He had no idea that that was coming. Um, but the and I, he didn't plan, and I know he didn't plan on firing Caradore in that early into the season. So like all that stuff just snowballed, and then to be losing 
the fan apathy was was starting to skyrocket. Like people had now we're starting to turn on Michael Andler. I'm like, hold on a second. He's been here for four months. Like, let's, the paint's not even drying his name on the door. Like, let's hang on a sec. So he didn't expect this at all. He expected, obviously, some bumps whenever he made change. Nothing like this. And, and frankly, I don't think anybody saw this coming either. Wait till he finds out the Canadian Tire Centre needs a new roof and the plumbing has <laughs> all sorts of problems. Uh, it's a real money pit in Ottawa. Brent, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Appreciate it. Anytime, boys. All right. Thanks. That's Brent Wallace from the Coming In Hot podcast with Bobby Ryan and Jason York here on the Halford & Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. I'm really pushing this money pit um, reference. That's okay. It's an ask, old... ask Basketball Ben if he's seen the money pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the money pit? Nope. Yeah, it's a good movie. Back in the 80s. <laughs> Back in... Back Back in the old days. Back in the old days. Jason does not have a film reference beyond 1987. And that was 11 years before I was born. Right. So it's tough for you to see a lot of those movies. Tough timing. They're all on VHS. (laughs) Do you know what a VHS is? (laughs) It's that thing you would put into the... Have you ever physically rented a movie? Yes, Blockbuster. When I was like a really little kid. Right. Really little kid, yeah. (laughs) It was like the most exciting thing. They had them all lined up. Yeah, they did. And now it's Netflix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now you get to choose what you want. See, when we used to go to the movie store... Was that a big pressure moment? Like, what are we going to do? Oh, yeah, you could see, you could be in there for hours trying to figure because out what you want. Because you're scrolling through Netflix and you're like, what am I going to watch tonight? Yeah. The biggest, and you can start on Netflix and be like, yeah, this isn't for me. Right. The and biggest then, dynamic change. You picked a you picked a movie, you didn't like it, you were watching it. Th- oh. Right. The biggest dynamic change is that they you could actually be out of the movie you wanted to watch. They yeah, would be, oh, yeah, there would yeah. be physical copies and they would all be gone. Yeah. And you actually couldn't watch the movie that you wanted to watch. You have that, Jumanji. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have 16 copies. They're all out. Seven of them are late and they are accruing fees right now. Wow. But that was, that was the thing. So if you wanted to watch, I guess, Jumanji on a Friday night, there was an op, there was a potential that you couldn't. Was there and like that a doesn't win- exist anymore. What was the window for rentals? Was there options? Yes. Oh, so, wow. Some of the older movies you could have for a week. And some of the so newer exciting. ones was like a day or two. Yeah, right? and then you, it's amazing, you would accrue late fees. And my friends would rack up thousands of dollars in late fees. <laughs> like a library book. Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah. it would be like parking tickets. That's how Their credit score has been be. affected for yeah, their entire life. Right? There's some dude, some pimp-face dude at Blockbuster just hitting the, yeah. uh, like extend fees. Extend because fees. they did not return big trouble in Little China. Right. Now, if we want to go even further back, when it was the days of beta in VHS, mm-hmm. you would get fined for not rewinding your tapes. Be yeah. kind, rewind. Okay, stops. I don't know what that is then. That's before my time. So the tape, you play it from start to finish, like a reel. Mm-hmm. But then when it finished, <laughs> you would have to wind the reel all the way back to the start of the movie. And that was on the renter, Why? not the rentee. Okay. It was a time-consuming process. Yeah, it took some time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It took you know a couple minutes. And you know, guys that work at video stores are incredibly busy. They don't have time Kids to do these things. These days like, just don't understand. Nah, they don't get it. They don't know anything. Um, let's talk a little bit about Nathan Rourke. Yeah, buddy, this being is great. Claimed by the New England Patriots. On the face of it, this seems like an opportunity for Rourke, who wasn't getting the opportunity in Jacksonville, although we thought he might. Screw Jacksonville, by the way. I'm glad that they got screwed. Because they they're screwed now. Because Lawrence is hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's his face? C.J. Beathard is the only active uh, quarterback they have now. Right. I kind of wonder if this was just the Patriots screwing with another team just because they could. 
but I can't really tell. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm I know there were a lot of people like, well, they're gonna the the Patriots. You know, they don't they don't really have anyone else. I mean, Mac Jones has been bad, and who's the other Bailey guy? Zappy. Bailey Zap. Like they're, they're not super thrilled with them. So the, you know, they got a few games left. They're gonna play them right away. I'm like, they're not. They're not uh, gonna play them right away. They're not gonna play them right away. Belichick isn't gonna give them the start Sunday in Denver. Um, maybe I was looking at their schedule. Maybe there's a chance to start in week 18 at home to the Jets, and that would be the final game of the season. Because don't forget, like you, you need to go in. you got to learn the I would not be surprised system. if he you gets go. a sniff before week 8. I think he oh. might, that's week 17, the second to last game, right? Here's, here's the other thing, though, looking forward. Now, hopefully he gets a game and he can show something to either the Patriots or around the NFL. Um, but the Patriots, where they are right now in the standings and where they are right now at the quarterback position, they're very likely to draft a quarterback in April. Correct. And where would that leave Rourke? Well, here's right? okay. And also, here's the other thing that I think we should um, mention here. Uh, the Patriots suck. Okay, there's a big part of it. Who's their, who's their best receiver? Like, are you going to... Juju Smith-Schuster? Right? Like, are you going to put Nathan Rourke into this position where, like, Mac Jones, who has shown... He did show promise at times in his career. Yeah. At times in his career, he did. I'm not a big Mac Jones. No, no, no. But he he showed more than he's shown this season, right? Like, you know, he went to Alabama. He was pretty highly coveted. And if he can't make it work, you know, listen, it's just. I don't think Mac Jones has the athleticism to be How many years can you ride like that? He went to Alabama. He went to Georgia. Yeah. He went to a big name well, I school. Think, I think what we're seeing in Mac Quite Jones. A few years. Is, yeah, Mac Jones. Yeah. Mac Jones will probably get another kick at the can somewhere right. else, and he'll get a sniff. But I don't think he's athletic enough to be uh, a really good NFL quarterback. Just doesn't seem like he has the mobility. I actually haven't watched him much because Patriots games are pretty hard to I watch. I mean, like they insulated him pretty good in his first uh, season, right? They they surrounded him with more talent, and they had a. I mean, he was a just, game manager. He was a manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's kind of been exposed for what he is at this stage of the game, and it's been really just. It's been a very disappointing season. Here's what I like about Rourke going to New England. One, the NFL roster rules because he got picked up on waivers. Now he has to be on New England's active roster for all three of their remaining games in the season, right? That's a good thing. It also means that Rourke's going to make a nice chunk of change. According to Three Down Nation, his final earnings for this year are going to be nearly $400,000 U.S., which is good money considering he hasn't actually thrown a pass in the regular season so far. The other thing I like about this is, yeah, the team stinks, and yeah, he might not. he's not going to get in this week, but at least it's an opportunity to get some kind of film out there, like game tape, because that's the big thing in the NFL is it's really hard for these guys to do a proper talent evaluation when there's no tape aside from a really cool play you made in the preseason, Yeah, which Ramon, is all Rourke has. Ramon texts in, didn't they pick him up just because the Chargers took Greer off them? That might be possible, too. They well, might they, have just they, wanted another quarterback. Sure, but um, in that same article from Justin Dunk at Three Down Nation, he was talking to his sources around pro football mm-hmm. and it said it wouldn't surprise me if Rourke got in every other guy they've played this season has not got the job done that could be Moj okay, that that could be a source who you knows know. right I mean sources are sources you gotta get them where you can find them but I don't know like, there's also a reference to Jambalaya in there I think Moj <laughs> that's Moj look we're in the we, we are in an NFL season where like Tommy DeVito is become the well last week it kind of got knocked down a peg or two but 
he's become a media darling and won Offensive Player of the Week in the conference one mm-hmm. week. Like this, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Rourke could play. If you were a Patriots fan, wouldn't you just want to see him? I'd be clamoring for him to like, play. Think, think of the guys that have come through the Canucks when they were bad and it was the end of the season. Yeah. You're like... I'll never yeah. forget that five-game Griffin Molino game. Yeah, sure. Let, let's see Griffin Molino. Maybe, maybe he's got something. Why not? Turns out he didn't. No, but I'm, but, gl- but I'm glad we saw him because but, there was nothing else to watch. But Nathan Rourke getting in at this stage of the game is no more incredulous than some of these other quarterback stories we've seen. No, not at all. No. Like, I mean, he's actually— He's done something at the pro level. Yeah, and he played in the preseason like a lot of these guys that are playing mm-hmm. right now. And I mean, just <laughs> I want to put this out here because I'm in. I'm in the fan. I won my fantasy. I'm not going to talk about All my right. team in particular, but the the options right now for the fantasy playoffs where it's like everyone's got money on the line and everyone's so desperate for quarterbacks. Guys that are going to probably start this weekend are Aiden O'Connell, Easton Stick. Zach Wilson still might start. Didn't you have Aiden O'Connell? Yeah, I had to drop him. Oh, that's for Nick yeah. Mullins. Didn't, didn't he have a great game against? Uh... Yes, he <laughs> has sixty-three points up against the Chargers. And I remember when people were getting upset about Brady saying that the talent level just isn't as good. Maybe and people are like, "Dot, what is he talking about?" Jake Browning and Joe Flacco are like all-star caliber guys for fantasy right now. Right. Joe Flacco threw for 374 yards on the weekend. Do you think the Easton hockey stick makers are just like yelling at themselves every day that Easton stick wasn't a hockey player? A hockey player? Yeah, probably. Like such a huge missed marketing opportunity. I think he's from the Dakotas as well. I don't do you think know if they've reached north or south? Do you think but... they've reached out to him and be like, can you play hockey at all? Like, <laughs> it's a little late in the game for that. He's got this thriving NFL career. Yeah. Thriving is a bit of a stretch. He's not very good at what he's doing right now. But, that's but he is in the NFL. But anyway, I hope this works out for Rourke and I hope we get to see him in a couple games with the Patriots. How amazing would it be? if the Patriots found another quarterback uh, yeah. and, and not even in the deep reaches of the draft because he was undrafted. But You've heard of Bill and Tom. What about Bill and Nathan? <laughs> I don't know if Bill's going to be around. How long is Bill going to be there for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's the other thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Softy is going to join us next. Softy. That's Dave Softy Mahler, by the way. Yeah. Can't just throw that out there. <laughs> I always forget his real name. Dave Softy, Softy Mahler. Mahler. I think Softy is his legal name now. It's not yeah. It's definitely not. I think it might be. It's definitely not. Uh, we've had Softy on the show many times to talk about Seattle sports. And what better time to talk to Softy after that Seahawks win last night, the drive by True Lock that I still can't believe he pulled off, but I'm sure glad he did. Uh, the Seahawks are now 7-7, seven and seven, and with their schedule, they've got a chance to get to 10 wins and finish the season 10 and 7. Maybe they'll lose four in a row and then win four in a row. It's possible, at least. Um, we'll also talk to Softy about the Kraken and where they are right now on the Seattle sports hierarchy because don't forget, there's going to be a lot of Husky talk coming up with the Huskies playing in the college football playoff. I know people in Seattle still talk about the NBA coming back there a lot. So the Kraken's struggling this year. And not having, I really think this is key, not having that superstar player where people just go out and watch that player. I don't know where they are in the Seattle sports hierarchy right now. So we'll talk to Softy about that. Coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Basketball band got the memo that it was Big Band Tuesday. Yeah, you got your big man music. The happy of jackals. <laughs> little Chris so someone texted in. They said I'm not hearing any big band. Yeah, one guy got very upset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big band from Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. Well, whose responsibility is that ultimately? It's mine. Yeah. I failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Sorry, one guy. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Brown of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Dave Softy Mahler from 93.3 KJRFM, Seattle sports leader, is going to join us in just a second here. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler, pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, visit them. At 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go. Dave Softy Mahler here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Softy. How are you? Boys, girls, what's happening? So how much fun did you have last night? Uh well, it was it was not really fun up until the last drive, to be <laughs> honest with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a kind of a bad game from a offensive perspective. Drew Locke passing game wasn't doing much. DK Metcalf wasn't doing much. Defense was okay, but kind of could not get the stop when they needed it against Jalen Hurts. And then all of a sudden, bang, Drew Locke and that offense just got it together on the last drive. It kind of reminded me of Geno Smith's uh, first start last year against Denver on Monday Night Football against Russell Wilson. Kind of an ugly game, you know, not much going on. Quality of play wasn't very good. And then, bang, all of a sudden, Geno Smith hits them with a game-winning drive. So, you know, Drew Locke and Geno Smith, man, for all the crap they've gone through, at least both of them have a Monday night, or excuse me, a prime time game uh, under Pete Carroll where they can kind of, you know, put that in their resume and, and show the world what they're all about. So, yeah, it was fun, man. So how does this change the outlook for the Seahawks uh, as far as the playoffs are considered? Well, it potentially changes everything. And they got Arizona, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh the rest of the way, uh, which are all beatable teams. And I don't think there's any reason why the Hawks should not win all of them and be a 10-7 and football team and be right in the mix for a playoff spot. You know, how far can they go in the NFC? I mean, we'll see. I mean, guys, the NFC is not very good. There's only four teams right now with a winning record. All right? I mean, to me, there's the Niners, and there's really everybody else in this conference. Mm-hmm. So, the the Hawks picked a good team or a good year to be mediocre in the NFC because there really are not a lot of great quality teams in this conference. So could they go ten and seven, win a playoff game uh, against a team like a Detroit or a Dallas or a Tampa Bay? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are they amongst the elite of the NFL? Absolutely not. I mean, go back and look at what they did against the Niners, what they did against the Baltimore Ravens. They weren't even competitive in those games. So Philadelphia's got a lot of problems, and we knew that going in last night, and the Hawks just took advantage of it. But it certainly changes the playoff picture from a perspective of getting them in. Does it mean they can make a run come playoff time? I'm I'm not buying that yet. Does Drew Locke uh, complicate the quarterback picture going forward? Right. Not really, to be honest with you. I mean, I think Geno Smith is the starter if he's healthy. Pete Carroll kind of squashed that immediately last night, which I thought was a smart move Mm -hmm. by him. There's a lot of people that would love to see Drew Locke starting full-time for the Seahawks because they see Geno Smith for what he is, which is just a you know run-of-the-mill kind of average quarterback in the NFL. But, look, there's a lot of teams right now in the National Football League that would love to have average, okay? And the Seahawks have at least average in Geno Smith, and they need more than that. And there's going to be a point in time 
maybe this coming offseason where they have to move on from both those guys and find a better answer and a better playmaker uh, at the quarterback position. Who that guy's going to be, I have no idea. When you're going, you know, nine and eight and ten and seven every year, you're kind of stuck in mediocrity. It's hard. It's really hard to put yourself in a position like, you know, where the Jaguars were when they got Trevor Lawrence or, you know, where the Texans were when they got C.J. Stroud. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll's football teams are never going to suck enough to be four and 13, uh, you know, or three and 14 and be in a position to get one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL draft. You know, they, they had a chance at one of them last year and they took Devin Witherspoon, who's now banged up and not playing. So that's my fear, guys, is that as long as Pete Carroll's here, they're going to be kind of middling around mediocrity and, and will never be able to find that star at quarterback unless they find lightning in a bottle again, like they did with Russell Wilson in the third round at number 75 overall. What's been the hot button conversation that you've been having about the Seahawks um, prior to last night? Was it the future of yeah. Pete Carroll? Was it the it's future Jamal of Adams, the, for sure. Yeah, it's the, Jamal Adams. Yeah, Jamal all Adams. Day, all day, every day, Jamal Adams. I mean, Jamal Adams is – and you know what? I, I, I'm not even sure if I would say there's any debate anymore about Jamal Adams. There used to be some debate about him. You know, could he cover – um, you know, uh, did he, did he give a hundred percent effort, blah, 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 things like that. I mean, first of all, Julian Love took his place last night and had two interceptions, uh, which Joel Adams never would have done because he, he does not have great hands and he's not a great cover safety whatsoever. I'm not sure what Jamal Adams is great at, to be honest with you. He's always banged up doesn't get after the quarterback you guys remember he was signed to an extension Mm -hmm. after that year where he set the sack record for defensive backs in the nfl well guess what his last sack was three years ago as a matter of fact tomorrow is the three-year anniversary of jamal adams last sack and it came against dwayne haskins in the washington (laughs) game on december 20th of 2020 Uh, i mean that's just crazy so this guy signed to get after the quarterback and he's not getting after the quarterback. And now he's a jerk. Did you guys see what happened on Twitter, on no, social yeah. media, brutal, with, the, with Connor Hughes, the guy from the Jets? You know, Jamal Adams is going after his wife like a complete clown. You know, I wish I could use stronger language on the air, but I don't want to offend anybody and get you guys in trouble up there. But I'm done with this guy. Uh, I, I'm glad he's not playing right now for the Seahawks. I, I will not root for him. I can't root for him. And I, I can't wait for the day that Jamal Adams is no longer on this football team because he's a complete bum on and off the field. Well, there's no way he's going to be back next season. Right? They owe like, a lot of money. Yeah. And the dead cap's like $20 million. It's ridiculous. The, yeah. the, they restructured that... his contract. Look at his, uh, look at his dead cap for next year, guys. Yeah, they'll save a couple of million bucks, but they're going to be spending a lot of money to cut Jamal Adams if they do a year, uh, next year. So they got to find a way to figure that out because I'm, look, I generally agree with you. He can't be on this football team mm-hmm. next year. Uh, that trade in retrospect, it just looks like one of the worst in franchise history, especially because when you dare to dream, if they don't make that move and the bounty that they got from the Russell Wilson trade, they could be in such better shape right now, just in terms of the first picks, first round picks that they would have accumulated. But the Adams trade looks like the biggest blunder of the Schneider Carroll era. No question. There's a debate about that. I mean, the two first rounders, the money they spent on him. And not just that, but also the cost of developing another safety. You know, I mean, there's a reason why they went out and got Julian Love this year because Jamal Adams is always banged up. And guess what happened last night? Jamal Adams was hurt, couldn't play, and Julian Love stepped up and took his spot. 
and got two interceptions uh, against Jalen Hurts. So I, I just, it, it's just disgusting, man. The whole thing, he, he, his, his lack of effort, you know, he's, he's always the second guy to the ball carrier. He gives up to the goal line. I mean, I, I, I hope you guys are really understanding this right now that I, I hate the guy. Like I honestly hate the guy mm-hmm. and he's a, he's an absolute complete loser. And I am looking forward to the day that his face is no longer on this football team. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if I can make it any clearer for you guys. So you don't <laughs> care for him. You, you I don't, don't like him very much. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I I'm yeah. with you on that. Like, you know, I, I, I just think, I mean, I mean, what he did to the guy's wife. Yeah, like, are you it, kidding it, me? It's, it's brutal. I mean, how big of a loser do you have to be to do something like that on Twitter and then yeah. go and then double down with the media, you know, the uh, guys, the Seahawks PR staff, when he, when, when they trotted him out there a couple weeks ago, in front of the media, they, they were convinced that he was going to apologize. Mm-hmm. Instead, he went the exact other way. It was like DiCaprio and the Wolf of Wall Street, man. I'm not going. I'm not leaving. I'm not effing leaving. He, he just completely doubles down on the entire thing and then admits that he did it because he wanted to hurt the guy. I mean, dude, rule number one, don't bring the freaking wives into it, you bum. My God. Well, this is an awkward transition, but we want to talk about the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> um, and actually, I don't want to—I don't want the ins and outs of the Seattle Kraken because they're not a very good team. They don't have any yeah. star power at, at this point, no, um, no. And, and that's one of the problems. But you know, we're always curious about where hockey stands in Seattle because in right. Vancouver, it's it's always number one. You know, it is uh, the Canucks right. are always it. number yeah. one, even in the off season. But with the Seahawks now getting that win and all these conversations that you're having about Jamal Adams. Yeah. I'm sure you're having a few conversations about the future of Pete Carroll or what to do with the quarterback position, just going forward, but also the Huskies having a pretty big game coming up and they've had an incredible uh, season undefeated. And a lot of those games were super close and super dramatic. Um, Where do the Kraken sit in the Seattle sports hierarchy right now? Well, like last night they played, they lost to the Stars in overtime, and it was right in the middle of the Seahawks game, so nobody's paying attention, right? I mean, you got your your hardcore hockey fans that are obviously watching the game, uh, listening on radio. I mean, honestly, from from our radio station's perspective, it was a good counter-program because the Hawks game was on the other radio station. So, right, right. you know, it kind of worked out for us to have the hockey game on at the same time, but yeah, I mean they're not they're not playing well. They're kind of uninspiring, uh, as you said. There's not really any star power. They they went out and basically did nothing over the off season to make the hockey team better. Um, you know, we're kind of all waiting for a guy like Shane Wright to maybe emerge and 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 step up and take that next step. And, and that really hasn't happened yet. He's been going back and forth between Seattle and Coachella Valley and in in Palm Springs and you know, kind of still waiting for that to happen. So it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer that after all of the momentum they picked up a year ago in the playoffs with that, with that great run against Colorado and Dallas, that there really wasn't any significant additions made over the off season to make the team better. And they're playing like it. I mean, you know, the biggest question that we've got, I think right now about the team is Dave Haxtell, you know, is he the, is he the right guy for the job? But you know, then I kind of look at the roster and think, well, I mean, is there really a lot there? So yeah, you know, I mean, uh, hockey, I've kind of noticed, guys, and I've kind of figured it out in Seattle, is one of those sports that unless they win and win big, uh, there's not going to be a ton of interest in it. Uh, ticket prices are crazy expensive. The games at times are hard to find on TV. Uh, a lot of games end up on ESPN+, Plus, which a lot of people simply don't have. 
so yeah, this is year three, and we're kind of still waiting for them to really kind of take hold and and really catch fire. Um, I'm not gonna lie, Softy, I was borderline living vicariously through your Twitter timeline with UW yeah. and watching them win the Pac-12 championship. Like you looked like you were having as much fun as the guys <laughs> on the team. Uh, how much? How great an experience was that? How much fun was it? Because it looked like an absolute blast. And my God, you documented it very well. Well, the Vegas thing was amazing. Um, I mean, that week was about as stressful as I've ever been as a as a as a Husky fan. Just yeah. the idea of playing Oregon, playing for a spot in the Final Four, playing for the last Pac-12 championship of all time. You know, I mean, it, it, dude, it was just crazy. I mean, that that entire week, I was just on edge. I mean, just think about you know how nervous you guys have been for some of the biggest Canucks games of all time. And, and you can triple that because you're talking about your hated rival uh, <laughs> in the Oregon Ducks. And if they had won that game, they would have had bragging rights forever. They would have gone to a final four, potentially, you know, looking back on it now, I think they likely would have been left out to be honest with you, but we didn't know that the week before the game. And then to go in there and get up 20 to three and physically pound them into submission with the running game on both sides of the ball lose the lead, get it back, win the game in dramatic fashion. It was unbelievable. And now you're 13-0 and and you're playing for a chance at a national championship. And the difference is, I think, between this year and the 2016 team is that I think a lot of people really believe this team has a chance to win the whole damn thing. You know, 2016, they would have been kind of overmatched against Alabama or, or Clemson or whoever they played, I think, in that Final Four. Uh, not the case this year. There's a lot of folks that think they have a real shot to win all of it. And uh, Caitlin DeBoer is building something amazing here. It's his second year. They got to get the guy locked up to a brand new contract. And that will certainly happen very soon, but going to New York for the Heisman trophy, you know, uh, Vegas for the PAC 12 championship. We take off for new Orleans next Friday for the sugar bowl. uh, And then hopefully turning around the next week for Houston for the national title. It's incredible how fast this thing has turned around. I mean, guys, two years ago, the Huskies were coming off a four and eight season and they had just hired this unknown guy from Fresno State named Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> and now here they are, and he's 24-2, and two, and the team has won 20 games in a row, and they're playing for a shot at a national championship. It's incredible how fast this thing has turned around. What did you think of the line for the, the Ducks game when it was nine and a half? Ridiculous. Because uh, when, when I watched the Apple Cup, and Penix did not look good against the Cougars and although they pulled it out and although they were undefeated, I guess I kind of got it, but in hindsight, it was ridiculous. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they beat them twice, you know, they beat them in Eugene last year, Seattle this year. And all of a sudden now you're getting (laughs) caught up in the way the Huskies are playing these games. Yeah. They're not blowing people out of the water, but they're winning every single game. How in the world could a team that was 12-0, and had won 19 straight, found a way to win in the fourth quarter of every game they've played for seven, eight games in a row. How could that team be a nearly 10-point underdog to anybody? I mean, yeah, it was, it was nuts. And you know who hated that, by the way, was Oregon. Oregon Ducks players, coaches, broadcasters, they, they, they hated the fact that UW had that as a carrot of motivation mm-hmm. to use in that game. So totally with you. It made no sense whatsoever. And now Washington is an underdog again to Texas, and they're using that as motivation as well. This is a team that UW beat in the Alamo Bowl last year, 27-20. to 20. Obviously, it's a different Texas team, but it's a different Washington team as well. UW's got a lot of pieces right now that they did not have a year ago uh, on that team. I know Texas has a couple of big-time 
defensive tackles and Byron Murphy and uh, and the Sweat Kid, who are incredible at what they do. The Texas run defense is amazing. Uh, Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver for them, is amazing. But this is a team that Washington got physical with and went toe-to-toe with a year ago in San Antonio. So a little bit surprising now that they're even four-and-a-half-point dogs in this game. Hey, Softy, one final question. Where do you think Michael Penix will go in the draft? And is there a chance that he could go to the Seahawks? Yeah, there's a chance. Uh, I think late first round, early second round is probably where he's projected to go. Um, I think he's got to go to a place like Seattle where he's got a ready-made offensive line, he's got good targets, and he's got a running game. And I think the Seahawks are doing it the exact right way because they're building from the inside out. And that's what they did in 2012. You remember when they drafted Russell Wilson? Mm -hmm. They already had Marshawn Lynch. They already had the league's highest-paid offensive line. They had the LOB. And they had Doug Baldwin and Golden Tate and Zach Miller and Sidney Rice. And then they went out and got Russell Wilson. He was the last piece of the puzzle. A lot of these quarterbacks, you know, C.J. Stroud in Houston, Justin Fields in Chicago, Anthony Richardson with the Colts, they're the first piece. Then they built everything around that. The Seahawks didn't do that. And now they have a chance to do it again with another quarterback because everything else is already here. They may not be as talented defensively as they were in 2012, and there's no doubt that they're not. But Michael Penix, if he comes to Seattle, he's not going to have to do everything on his own. I think a place like Minnesota would be great for him as well. A place like Atlanta would be great for him as well. Um, But, yeah, Michael Penix, man, I mean, go back and look at what Justin Fields did in the Final Four a couple years ago, and really his draft stock shot up after that game. I think if Michael Penix tears up the Texas Longhorns in the semifinal on New Year's Day, you might see him crack into the top 10, top 15 of the NFL draft. So New Year's Eve in New Orleans, New Year's Day yes. at the Superdome, Washington, Texas. That seems like a fun way to run How are you going to survive this? What are the odds like I make Vegas? New Year's Day after spending <laughs> oh New Year's Eve on God. Bourbon Street? If, I thought I was following your social media before. I'm going to be glued to it now. This is going to be great, man. Hey, Softy, thanks I mean, again. I mean, the good thing is kickoff, kickoff is not until like 9 o'clock Eastern time on that Monday. Right. So we have a lot of time to recover on, on Monday morning, but... I mean, really the great news about the trip to New Orleans, and yeah, this is actually a really, really good thing. My wife is coming down, and so she'll be with me to babysit me and hold my hand <laughs> on a, New Year's Eve that's and make a good sure idea. I don't go to jail yeah, without her. Idea. There's no doubt there may, might be some shenanigans that might keep me off the air the next day, but having her down there babysitting me like a child and keeping me out of trouble and making sure I make the air at 5.30 Eastern time on Monday might be the best move of all time. Okay, well, Shorty, or Shorty, Softy, enjoy the trip. (laughs) Enjoy it all. (laughs) And uh, we want to thank you for doing this. Uh, We probably won't talk to you until the New Year. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Don't get arrested in New Orleans. Yeah, give me a buzz if you want. I'll be down there on the 29th, uh, Friday. And then we got game day on New Year's Day. Uh, you guys celebrate New Year's in Canada, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's in uh, February, though. <laughs> Just making sure. I don't know what. By the way, I bought my mom an Amazon Echo Show, and I was setting it up this morning, and there's all these language options. And there's two options for English. There's American and there's Canadian. Mm-hmm. What are the differences seen that before, there? Where you think? can actually have like a Canadian English uh, version on your Amazon. Yeah, the, the Canadian one is just a little more quiet. Yeah, it, it apologizes. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talks a bit, talks a bit slower. Yeah. yeah. Are you saying Americans are loud? Is that what you're saying? No, never, never. Is that what you're never. saying? No, no, never, never. <laughs>
See you, Softy. Thanks, Softy. See you, buddy. Bye, boys. See you. Bye. Uh, Dave Softy Mahler from KJR Seattle Sports Radio. What would you like to know about? <laughs> uh, uh, how there, many quarterbacks do you think will go in the first round of the NFL draft? Because I've read some mock drafts where it's like four, only three it? of them. Oh, okay. Only three of them. Like Caleb. So the first P- two. Phoenix is the real. It could be first Penix. round. Could be first round. Could be second round. Um, Phoenix. So Phoenix. The Junior. consensus, really. Please be quiet. Okay. Uh, is that Caleb Williams is going to go first to the Chicago Bears, and Drake May, the quarterback out of North Carolina, is going to go second maybe to the New England Patriots. Um, Jaden Daniels, who won the Heisman Mm -hmm. out of LSU. And who backed out of his uh, bowl game. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's like, I don't need to do this anymore. I'm going to the NFL. Right, yeah. Well, LSU is probably not playing in the biggest bowl game, is it? Uh, that's a good question. Okay, it doesn't really matter. Um, a lot. Of, so I've read uh, mock drafts with him going, for example, six to the New York Giants. Like, not all the positions are, are set now, so it's kind of hard to do this. But uh, those three, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, are considered, like, the guys that are probably going to go in the top ten. And then oh, I've seen, man. I've seen Michael Penix go... Um, as early as like 15 in the first round, or he could fall all the way to the second round. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on how he plays against Texas. And if they beat Texas, how he plays in the final, um, you know, the Washington state game, he did not look good. He was sailing balls everywhere. And then he looked better against Oregon, but the team as a whole looked better against Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Just for the record, Jaden Daniels is skipping the ReliaQuest Bowl against Wisconsin, mm. and that's in Tampa. I don't know what ReliaQuest is. <laughs> I don't know. J.D. the Jurek. Wait, is Dollywall American? <laughs> yeah, he could be. I, he sounds American sometimes when he's Someone yelling. just texted in Salty is a good guess. No. <laughs> salty. Well, I called him Shorty, so whatever. I'm not one to... <laughs> Salty, what 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 are you guys' salty, uh, softy, and shorty? What are you guys' uh, New Year's Day plans on February first? <laughs> yeah, I like that one. I chose a good line by him. <laughs> um, okay, so with, with regards to softy, I actually I wasn't just putting it on for the show. I followed him uh, in Vegas for the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. I was like refreshing his feed. He was on the field and everything after celebrating with the dude. Players was like a content. King, it was un- he didn't even go to UW. I know. <laughs> I learned that after the fact. I'm like, oh, this guy is like dyed in the wool, purple. He bleeds purple. He's <laughs> no, but he was. It was great. He was like mugging with the players and just talking to everything. He was. Here's the thing: you can't fake mm-hmm. fandom. No, I don't think. I don't think you no, can. You can't fake it. You know, you can go somewhere and become a fan of a team, but there's a difference between. Being a fan and fandom, yeah, where you're just in it, and you, when you kind of take that's a step- why we will always be Vancouver sports guys, yeah. Like, even when we do the national show, we're so hesitant because we're like, ah, I don't really know the ins and outs of all these other markets. Like, I can cover something in yeah, Toronto, I can cover but something. I would never be personally invested in anything Toronto other than them losing, I suppose. My sarcasm would come across, too, right? It'd be yeah. like, I want these guys to lose, and I want them to lose badly. And I would be, like, laughing at every time. Oh, How's everyone in Ontario doing today? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the while we're on vacation, I am going to be watching... A lot of sports because going on. the World Juniors is on, and it's going to be some early wake-ups for the World Juniors. I think Canada's first game is against Finland. It's a 5.30 a.m. You put this in the notes yesterday. I saw this. It's not yeah, great. Yeah, but, but great. I think that's the only super early one. And, of course, a lot of people uh, in Vancouver are going to be watching Sweden's games. Now, fortunately, Sweden's games 
are going to be in prime time in Sweden. So that's like the late game start at 7.30 Swedish time. So that's 10.30 or something like that our time. So we'll be able to watch um, we'll be able to watch most of these games without setting the alarm too early. But uh, I'm, I think I'm going to get pretty into this World Juniors, especially, you know, always cheer for Canada. But I'm also going to be curious about the three Canucks prospects playing for Sweden. Lekker Mackey, I really like not only want him to play well for Sweden, you know, like kind of need him to play well yeah, yeah. for Sweden because this is a third world juniors and he's going to be expected with the start he's off to, he's going to be expected to play well and be one of the leaders on that team. Um, the Americans are going to be really good. Hate to say it, but they're producing more players. That American team is going to be good. And then you've got the Huskies on New Year's Day and tons of NFL as well. Like the Seahawks are now worth watching down the stretch. Um, Brendan Batcher is going to join us next to talk about the Canucks game tonight in Nashville, where we get to ask questions like this minutia stuff that is actually fun to discuss now. It's not all big picture stuff. Where does a guy like Pew Suter line up tonight in Nashville? Is he back on the fourth line playing with Kuzmenko, or is he still up on the first line with Pedersen and Mikheyev? You're listening to the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.